Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Quality Care Talks. Sponsored by the Health Facilities Association of Maryland, HFAM, Quality Care Talks explores leadership, innovation, and the critical issues facing long-term and post-acute care providers serving Marylanders in need. Whether you are a provider, vendor, or consumer, Quality Care Talks will help you navigate the complex and ever-changing healthcare industry. Well, for those of you joining us, this is Joe D'Amatos, the president and CEO of the Health Facilities Association of Maryland, and welcome to this edition of HFAM Quality Care Talks. Today, our special guest is my dear friend, Robert Imhoff, the president and CEO of the Maryland Patient Safety Center. Welcome, my friend. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks so much for making the time today. My pleasure. Hey, uh, for those listening out there to the podcast, tell us a little bit about the Maryland Patient Safety Center. Be delighted to. Uh, the Maryland Patient Safety Center is a 501c C3 nonprofit corporation. The Patient Safety Center came about by an act of the Maryland General Assembly soon after the IOM report in 1999 entitled to Errors Human, detailing the extent at least at that time of medical error within the United States, the uh, Maryland Healthcare Commission had the uh, forethought and the vision to address these issues around medical error and around medical harm. And they were charged by the General Assembly to set up an organization like the Maryland Patient Safety Center. Back in 2004, the hospital, so Maryland Hospital Association and the Delmarva Foundation which at the time was the quality improvement organization for the state, got together and formed the Maryland Patient Safety Center. So we have been in existence now for 14 years, and we support healthcare providers in their effort to provide the safest and highest quality care uh, available to patients. Aren't you federally recognized as well? We are. So we are also known as a federal patient safety organization, which is a designation provided by AHRQ, which is part of Health and Human Services. We are one of the first organizations to be designated as such. I should say that one of the first 25 organizations designated as such. Out of that 25, only eight of us remain as the original group. So we're very proud of that designation. Uh, It does take some work to continue compliance in that regard as far as compliance audits and certain uh, rules and regulations that we must follow. So uh, it gives us a little more credibility and a little more in the way of protections as far as conversations and safe speech among healthcare providers. Well, you know, Robert, I am blessed to, of course, sit on your board and I find it um, compelling amazing, and I'm thankful for the fact that in the 14-year history of the center that you have been CEO for almost seven of those years, and I think it's incredibly powerful that patient is in your name, and the charter members of the center were Maryland hospitals. In a word or two, what would you say is the problem that the center seeks to solve? And who do you seek to serve? So we serve 
patients. We serve patients within the state of Maryland, what I like to say, both prospective and current patients. And we do that through educating and training providers so that when people do access the healthcare system, the providers that they are seeing are the best trained and the best educated in the areas of patient safety. Uh, so it, it is interesting that you mentioned that the founding members were primarily hospital related. If you remember back in those times, that was kind of the epicenter of healthcare. 14 years later, things have changed significantly. And we look at healthcare on a much broader and much more comprehensive basis rather than just hospitals. In today's world, all providers need to be working collaboratively and in a collegial way in order that the patient receives the safest and again, highest quality care. So we strive to be supportive of all providers throughout the continuum. Uh, And that includes from primary care, surgical centers, urgent care centers, hospitals, of course, post-acute and into hospice. Yeah, no, I think your broadened focus is precisely what's called for in today's healthcare environment. You know, HFAM is 70, 70 years old and currently in Maryland, post-acute long-term care in Maryland funded by Medicare and Medicaid combined and all payer sources are over 9 million days of care serving Marylanders in need each year. And of those 9 million days of care, HFAM's 150 skilled nursing and rehab centers provide 5.6 million days of those care. And so when you look at the healthcare continuum, the reality is, is that people are spending a shorter amount of time in the hospital. Thankfully, we have some of the best hospitals in the world to treat Marylanders in need, you and I included, and our families. But then after the hospital stay, so often they're entering post-acute for simple transitional care or some type of rehab or in some instances, long-term care. And patient safety and partnership in patient safety is more important than ever across those settings. And really, the Maryland Patient Safety Center is uniquely positioned, both in Maryland and as federally chartered, to be that connector point between urgent care, surgical center, doctor's office, acute care, post-acute care. Yeah, you said that well. Um, The uh, care doesn't start or stop with a hospital or start or stop with the doctor's office. Patient care has to be looked at throughout the continuum. There are many times when you begin in a doctor's office and a situation is detected that may require additional services, uh, that may require outpatient service, which may turn into an inpatient service, which may turn into a post-acute situation. So, you know, you can touch many different points within the healthcare community for one condition, for one malady. So patient safety is required throughout that entire process. Patient safety isn't just about a hospital stay. And it's just not about going to a doctor's office. Patient safety is required throughout. Agreed. Hey, Robert, tell me and our listeners, how did you end up a leader in healthcare? 
Well, it's um, an interesting journey and one I'm that's uh, been very enjoyable and very um, exciting. So I started out not in healthcare. My undergraduate degree was in finance, and I was in the banking industry for several years, many years, and from there ended up in the non-for-profit management field because of my banking career and because my knowledge of non-for-profits. So uh, from there, I ended up uh, working as an administrator, the vice president for development and external relations for Mount Washington Pediatric Hospital. Prior to that, I had started a course of study for a master's in public policy focusing on healthcare and political science, just because I felt the field was very interesting and coincidentally ended up working at a hospital. I was there for 10 years and enjoyed every minute of it. Honestly, still miss that environment and seeing uh, those great healthcare workers do wonderful things to help people get better and to nurture and to care for. That was an exciting time. And I was in awe when I was there, still am in awe of people like that that devote their lives to helping and caring for others. And then the opportunity arrived at the Maryland Patient Safety Center, and it was a great mix of uh, my not-for-profit management experience and also my uh, then several years in, uh, in healthcare management. So here I am. Well, you certainly have done and continue to do great things at the center. You know, I envision you scaling this to being a regional and national entity. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But of course, I know that in the morning, you're a devout athlete and kickboxer. But what gets you motivated to start your day every day and sort of embark on the journey as the CEO of this major entity? Devout, I appreciate you saying that. So some mornings I'm not so devout, and the last place I want to go is the gym. But uh, I appreciate you saying it anyway. <laughs> I find this job, and I hate to say job, because job makes it sound like a chore or a, uh, something you have to do. I enjoy this position and what I do immensely because of the good things that I feel this organization does for others the devotion of the people I work with and the commitment they have toward making things better for other people. I work with a great group of people directly and indirectly. And when I say directly, I mean my immediate staff that I have uh, working with me and indirectly those people out in the healthcare community, at the hospitals, at the surgical centers, at the long-term care facilities, all doing great things every day under difficult circumstances. You know, I'm motivated by one, the good work that we do, two, the fact that we help others, and three, that we have so many strong partners and so many other people committed and devoted to making things better for so many people. So what I do is is a small contribution and a small part of that big equation. And I'm excited by the dynamics of healthcare, how it changes, the constant new challenges, pressures. It's always a learning experience for me. It always will be. There's always something new. There's always something different that you encounter, that you learn, and that you help with. So I couldn't be more blessed with a position, and I couldn't be more excited about what I do and the people I do it with. 
Well said, my friend. I feel the same way about my colleagues at HFAM and my partners in organizations such as you at um, the center. And, uh, you know, I have the opportunity to tour a member center typically every couple of weeks. I was just in the brand new Future Care Center, um, the National Capital Region Center in Prince George's County, which I think is going to be a national showpiece center. It's extraordinary. And when I walk through those centers, I'm just so blessed to look at the interaction between the direct care staff and the Marylanders in their care and to observe that dynamic and recognize the passion and the skill and the calling. So I hear you on what you say. And, and you know, you and I have the opportunity to testify in Annapolis from time to time and I make it a point to tell our legislators that uh, I've got the easy part of the job. You know, I get to represent the folks that are actually doing the hard and wonderful and important jobs. Would you agree? Absolutely. As I say, I think what we do is very important in supporting that hard work. And whenever I talk about our efforts and what we do, our programs, our collaboratives, our safety initiatives, things like that, I always make a point to say, The individuals that are putting these things in place are the ones doing the work. You know, we think of the things, we do our research, we do our literature studies, you know, we kind of come up with the ideas, but it's those devoted, committed, dedicated individuals that put these practices into place, that implement these things, that help other people that are the real backbone of this. They make it happen. They make things better. Hey, Robert, let's talk a little bit for a moment about the fact that the center has actually done outreach across the country on your training and collaboratives. Can you give us a couple of examples of how your knowledge and what you've done and how you've made a difference for providers here in Maryland is now being applied in other parts of the country and maybe where in the country? Sure. I appreciate the opportunity to mention this, something we're very proud of. We always have strived to be more than just a state organization. As patient safety does not stop at the hospital or begin or stop at the hospital door, neither does it begin or stop at a state border or an imaginary line. You know, in Maryland, we get patients from Pennsylvania and West Virginia and Delaware, Virginia, the District of Columbia. So, Patient safety is not just a one state, a one jurisdiction situation. Patient safety is not a competitive activity. Patient safety needs to be a collaborative and a partnership activity. So the more organizations outside of the state and the more organizations that we can partner with around the country, the better for everyone. Uh, Though Maryland is first and foremost among what we do and who we participate with to help all Marylanders uh, because Marylanders just don't stop at the state line to get health care. They also travel across state lines and see doctors in different jurisdictions. So we want to make sure those direct care personnel are, again, best trained and best educated that they can be. One program in particular that has garnered a significant amount of attention outside of the state of Maryland and now nationally is what we call our Caring for the Caregiver program. One of the um, interesting phenomenons in healthcare is what we call the second victim situation in that when a patient is harmed or when there is a possible harm event, 
that's a significant traumatic event for that direct care personnel, whether it be a physician or a nurse or a tech, respiratory therapist, pharmacy, pharmacist, you name, uh, you name the position, everybody's involved. So when there is, for instance, a harm incident and a patient has experienced a medical error in some fashion, the first victim, of course, is the patient. What we call the second victim is that person that was involved. Because understand that that person is there to care for, to help, to heal. When things go the other way, when things happen that are unintended, the absolute vast majority of times it's unintentional and it's an accident and could be a system error or whatever, but it was not intended to happen. That causes significant upset to that person because it's totally converse to why they're there and what they're doing. So for that person, to continue to be an effective direct care personnel, to continue with good patient care, it becomes very difficult after this traumatic experience. The program that we developed in cooperation and in collaboration with the Johns Hopkins Armstrong Institute is a program that provides peer support to that second victim, to that direct care staff member so that they can get over the hump, as it were, so that they can uh, have that sympathetic ear, that shoulder to lean on during a very difficult and traumatic period. So what we're looking to do is reduce employee turnover to help support this individual. There have been many cases of people leaving uh, medical care because of this. There have been too many documented cases of suicide because of the traumatic effects of these incidents. So we want to do what we can to mitigate the effects of that so that that person continues to be a responsible, a dedicated, a quality care personnel uh, so that they continue in the hard work that they do. It's very expensive to replace someone when they do leave. So an already stressed medical system like we have in this country from a financial standpoint, becomes even more so when you have unnecessary costs like replacing doctors and nurses. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing on that front. I've obviously in my professional life come across those that were directly impacted by an event and uh, whether they were the patient or the healthcare professional. And for too long, they were not resources for the person that experienced the harmful event or for the person in this environment that we've now evolved to, which embraces and learns from those events, but still there wasn't support for them. So it's, it's powerful work that you're doing. What's the personal mission that you bring to this work, Robert? What drives you personally in terms of your mission as a leader? When I was working uh, in the business world, uh, as I told you, I started out in banking. You know, that was to earn a salary and to climb the corporate ladder and to do well and become what's considered successful in this country. And it was all well and good. And, you know, my motivation at that point was to uh, raise a stock price, which is why businesses exist and, you know, to raise value in the organization. So I had a little bit of a revelation when I got into not-for-profit management or became uh, exposed to that part of the business world 
where business practices and business organizations matched or met causes and met missions and met purpose, uh, more so than raising the stock price or increasing the value of a corporation. And I realized that there was more to work than earning a salary and, you know, becoming successful, that there was, uh, and I know this may sound a little trite, but that purpose, that additional meaning in going to work every day and doing something that helped others or enhanced others or that had some greater purpose became very important to me. And it became even more important when I got involved in healthcare. When I worked at the hospital, I saw the doctors and nurses uh, work with these children every day and they walked out of that hospital or many times didn't walk out of the hospital. Uh, Many had lifelong issues and um, walking was not an option, but I I use that term generally. Uh, When they left the hospital, they left better than when they came in. I was always um, very taken by that, that you had these dedicated individuals that were there to help others and do for others. I saw my role as an administrator, as a non-clinical person, as a contributor to that. What I did supported their efforts and helped them clear the paths in many ways so that they could do what they had to do to help those children and make people better and to care for others. Uh, And I see that kind of same role here at the Patient Safety Center. I'm not on the front line. I'm not don't have a medical degree or a nursing license and I'm not in there in the trenches doing surgical procedures and diagnosing and treating. But I hope what we do, and I'm confident that what we do helps those individuals do what they do a little better and in the long term help those individuals that are in their most vulnerable state as patients, that they're getting better and safer care. And that's That's very important, and it motivates me and inspires me to know what I'm doing is helping others is a great pleasure and a great delight for me. Well, Robert, I can hear the passion and the power in your voice as you share that with the listeners of our podcast today, and you've touched this a bit, but tell us about two things. Tell us about the role of governing values in your professional and in your personal life, and maybe of an important mentor in your life? Governing values are an interesting concept. And it's, um, I try to be the best person I can be. Uh, I'm not always the best person I can be for a number of different reasons. One is that I'm a human being and I fall and I fall. And, but I try to keep in the back of my mind those governing values, doing the right thing, helping others when I can, acting properly when I can, exhibiting common decency and manners and being pleasant and, uh, you know, part of the maturation process of individuals as you learn. And I hope that I have learned those things and have become a better person over these many years of my time here in this world. Primarily, those governing values, if I had a mentor, and I know far less formal than other people's, that would have been my father, an extremely decent loving, caring individual that um, taught us, when I say us, my members of my family, my uh, brothers and sisters, and my children also, he had some great years with them, what was important and uh, how to act and how to be just generally a decent human being and uh, 
what was required. And uh, I took those things to heart. They were always very important to me. They have been guiding values for me. I would like to be a better person, but as I say, I don't always do the things I should or as I should. And, you know, I'm one of many that um, try to do the best. And, uh, you know, hopefully it works out that way. Well, you know, Robert, um, you may recall that I am fortunate to teach a couple of graduate and undergraduate courses at one of your alma maters, UMBC. And one of the courses I teach is leadership. And I'll, I'll just share with you what I share with my leadership students on day one of that graduate school class. And that is that I ask these graduate students to raise their hand if they are perfect. And of course, no one raises their hand. And I point out to them that if there is no such thing as a perfect leader, then there most certainly is no such thing as a perfect human. Uh, none of us are perfect. What we uh, uh, value is growth and failure and success and leadership and followership. And none of that, none of that is uh, wrapped up in uh, perfection. So, uh, we're all in good company in your leadership, my friend. Thank you. That's uh, I, I know that. And, uh, you know, I don't, again, I don't think you're much of a person if you don't strive to be the best you can be, but knowing that those bumps and those um, foibles are going to pop up and, um, you know, that's all part of the journey as far as I'm concerned. We learn so much from those. And in a way, you know, you're ideally suited because you're the president and the CEO of the Maryland Patient Safety Center, which is focused on reducing harm and learning from harm and recovering from harm. So in, in terms of this discussion, you're in precisely the right place at the right time. So, hey, let me ask you, I ask all of our guests this, are you bullish or bearish on the future of healthcare post-acute care, senior living. What's your prognosis as a, a former finance for-profit guy on the marketplace, bullish or bearish for the future? So I'm bullish with uh, certain caveats. I'm bullish just generally because in this country, we always find ways to work things out and to figure things out. And that path is not smooth. It never is. Learning A learning process never is. But you know, for all the problems and all the situations that don't work well as far as healthcare, and people can talk about the costs and access, you have to look at the big picture. And I don't know where on this earth you have better healthcare, more compassionate, more caring, higher quality, better facilities, better trained people, better dedicated people than you do in the United States. Granted, you go into certain parts of the country, access isn't what it should be. That you know, there there are obviously exceptions to that rule, but generally, you can find high quality healthcare throughout this country. And you mentioned earlier, Maryland and the healthcare environment here. Uh, you know, we have two wonderful academic medical centers uh, in the University of Maryland and Johns Hopkins, and a great network of community hospitals and a fabulous network of post acute all these different things. We are extremely blessed in this state to have the great healthcare facilities that we do. And you can go into any state in the country and say the same thing about what they have uh, and what's available to them. So in that regard, I'm bullish. The caveat is 
that this is a constant learning process. We're trying to figure out how to deliver that safe care without busting the bank, as it were. How can we reduce costs? How can we make care available and accessible to as many as possible? How do we figure this insurance situation out? You know, there are a lot of questions and a lot of problems and situations that need to be addressed to make this better. But again, I'm bullish in the fact that we always do in this country. We always find the good way, the right way, uh, and the helpful way to make it as good for as many people as possible. Not perfect. Never can be perfect. Perfection is something that will never be attained, but we can certainly strive for that and in that process make it good for as many people as possible. Well, Robert, that's a fantastic answer, and I want to thank you. I think you are precisely the right leader at the right place at the right time. And as the leader of HFAM, who's been around for 10 years and witnessed this transition and how we deliver care and how we measure success, I'm sure of two things. You can't be successful as a provider going forward if you aren't involved with partners along the continuum of care. And care, quality care, cannot be provided as it once was as an island unto itself, whether it's post-acute care or long-term care or in the hospital or in the doctor's office. Quality care is connected care that focuses on the wellness and the safety of the patient. You can't be successful in any of those entities going forward without working in partnership, not vendorship, partnership. The second point that I'm clear on is that the Patient Safety Center, our Maryland Patient Safety Center and patient safety is at the nexus for healthcare going forward. And Robert, I want to thank you for all that you're doing at the Maryland Patient Safety Center. I want to ask, how can people contact you and how can they check out the center? Thank you, Joe. First off, you uh, stated that very eloquently. Uh, and very definitively, we cannot work alone. We w- must work together. We must work collectively, collaboratively. And I appreciate the kind words that you mentioned about the Safety Center. We think we do great work and help a lot of people throughout the state of Maryland and, frankly, throughout the region. So we encourage people to look at what we're doing, what we're involved in, and they can do that. Best, easiest way to do that is through our website, which is MarylandPatientSafety.org. So Maryland is spelled out PatientSafety.org. We encourage traffic. We encourage people to look at uh, what we're doing. Uh, and there are lots of resources included on that website to help you in your journey as a patient through the provider continuum. Well, Robert, the president and the CEO of the Maryland Patient Safety Center. Thank you very much for being our guest today on HFAM Quality Care Talks. And I'm sure I'll be seeing you soon. Be well. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for joining us on Quality Care Talks. We would love your feedback on today's episode. Please be sure to rate us on iTunes. Quality Care Talks is produced by the Health Facilities Association of Maryland, the state's oldest and largest nationally affiliated association of skilled nursing and rehabilitation centers. For more information, visit www.hfam.org.